0: Previously on the Reroll podcast, the party finally returns to the lab, and not a moment too soon, Groth is getting a little green around the
1: gills. You're not looking so well, big man.
2: Oh, that forge feels nice, though. It's
1: good to see her burning so hot. In fact, your mask almost seems to hum.
0: In better news, Lilac has returned. Wow, you're really back.
1: Yeah. Barely
0: helpful and ever-pleasant tree bark.
1: And he looks at Kiarin Why don't you just go drag the Emperor here himself and keep him as a pet? Always better than everyone else.
0: Anyhow, they seem to have found Flint's allies. I think.
3: His shoulder sort of tense a little bit. He goes, no, no bloody way.
0: Seems to have brought Flint two things, a shady sponsor Lord
1: Remy. I have paid a great price to fund this trip, and I was assured that your patronage and association would be worth it, Mr. Ogunfist.
0: And a handful of trouble from his homeland.
1: I don't know what's been going on in the South, but orcs crawl over Kravnok, Red Conclave brutalizes Grimhole, practically seizes everything.
0: For now, though, Things seem to be settling down, but knowing our party, I'm not sure how long that could possibly last. I guess we'll find out. Welcome back to the Reroll Podcast.
2: I went clothes shopping last week. Which isn't that big of a deal. I mean, you, you got to do it every now and then, except I um I don't
3: like <laughs> to do it every now and again, once every 14. Years. Yeah, you're yeah, definitely bearing that. the
1: lead here, <laughs> Brendan. <there's, laughs> most of us have lived with you for an extended period of time.
2: So you've seen my one pair of pants.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't like.
3: I've got, no, I mean, actually, I got to hand it to you. I have subscribed. I have a like one pair of work pants that has just been getting like the shit beat out of it. You just put on a pair of fucking long johns under it and you're good. It doesn't yeah. matter how many holes there are if you're wearing like a second pair of pants, basically.
1: I bet you yeah. I could draw most of Brennan's shirts from memory.
3: Probably. <laughs> I've owned
2: like five the whole time that I've known you.
3: Mm. I mean, I want to clarify to everybody listening. Brennan doesn't stink or anything. Like he washes his clothes. <laughs> he's he's, he's yeah. clean. Just really utilitarian with the, uh, with the amount of clothing that is necessary.
2: I'm going to get my fucking money out of my clothes no matter what. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not admitting to a crime here maybe a transgression <laughs> but i uh so i had to return all my clothes to a toyota dealership once when i quit working for them and i was like what are you talking about all my clothes i only have the one pair of pants and they were like what and they brought me over to the locker that apparently i was supposed to fucking know was there the whole time i was working there and they showed me this there were like seven things in there with my initials on them and oh like, that's oh. funny well there you go they're returned <laughs> i mean and i'm they, sure those they, all came
3: <laughs> out of your paycheck too or no you have to return them so i guess i would hope not but
2: and they looked at the one fucking pair of pants that i've been washing like every day or every other day for the entirety of my employment and they were like yeah we don't really want those back you, you can keep that <laughs> <laughs> don't don't tell the boss but like that we don't want those back <laughs> that was like 15 years ago and um it took those pants costing me about a thousand dollar phone because the corner was popping out through a hole through the pocket and the face of the oh, jeans right. right there. This year and touched some brick. Yeah, it was like last month or the month before. Uh, it took those pants costing me a thousand dollar phone for me to finally be like, okay, I'll spend a hundred dollars on five pairs of pants. <laughs> How
4: Where do are
5: you do getting that? pants yeah,
4: for twenty
0: dollars?
4: Yeah, what? I need to go Sands. there. Pants. Yeah, hey, because we don't
0: have no. a Costco. Because <laughs> yeah. that's literally that. the what only reason we would ever be at to... Sam's.
4: Time to go to Costco. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: What's uh? What's your? You guys have any clothes that
3: you just can't get rid of? Yeah, right. I what right, you, you forgot do? That there is like a point <laughs> to everything that we we're just talking. Welcome about. to the <laughs>
1: Brennan's Pants Podcast, where we <laughs> talk about all things pants, pants, and pants.
0: Except for it's just the one pair that Brendan has. It's had. just one pair, yeah. The pants so pants. actually,
1: it's just pants. Yeah.
0: How many times in this episode do you hear Brendan say, man, I miss those pants?
3: We'll
1: see.
3: <laughs> um, I had, I actually just a couple years ago, uh finally threw away the parrot gym shorts that I've had since middle school.
1: I still have mine.
3: They were really cool, yeah. yeah. Mine were like these like big, like, cotton like acdc ones for
1: some reason i remember those me too well
3: there's they've just over the years too like they've just they've gotten so like i guess just thin for being like worn down like if i sometimes i'd wear them when i was doing laundry and have any clean underwear and you could like clearly see the outline of my penis that's why i like them. so i call yeah i call them the penis shorts they're they're, <laughs> sleep, they're they're in heaven now they're in a better place <laughs> Oh. They finally got a big hole in the crotch that like just was not.
0: <laughs> it really showed the there, there was no saving. it. Yeah. <laughs> you really see it after that. <laughs> um I have two. But like one I don't own anymore, but the just, the only two things I've ever just worn the absolute shit out in my whole like out of in my whole life. Um one of them, I don't even remember what it said on it or where I got it, but it was this black jacket with like a fuzzy hood. Um, that I had, I think, through elementary school and middle school. It almost made it to high school, but I was like, I, I can't. Um, I wore it until the, you know, like, when you're sleeves of your coat, like, the outline of them, they just break apart, so they're yeah. two, like, little flaps? Mm-hmm. Those were, like, <laughs> fucked. Um, the elbows were blown out. I think I was getting a hole in the armpit, even. And I finally got rid of that one. I think that one lasted, it was probably lasted <laughs> me, like, five or six years. Um... And then the other one that I have right now, I got when I was in probably like freshman year. And it's this rainbow huff shirt. Everyone was obsessed with the Huff socks and the Huff branded stuff. And I got in trouble for wearing it to school, even though there was no like weed anything on them. Um, but yeah, that one, it's got holes in both of the armpits, and it's a short sleeve, and somehow the sleeve caps or whatever are still fucking blown out. Um and the hole in the armpit, I think I wore it to bed maybe like three months ago or something so it tore like all the way down to like my side and i still wear it sometimes so there's some real nice side boob going on there that's
3: cool it kind of becomes like a cool like like a like one of those like gym bro tank top shirt cut off things that people do yeah
0: well okay and i guess i have (laughs) one more and it's i got this one for my 21st birthday aloe was actually with me um it's my super kick-ass he-man shirt um i don't know what happened to it i think a washer in one of the places i lived was tearing it up and i I'm saying now I will never get rid of that shirt. I love it. I've never been able to find a replacement for it. And now it kind of looks pretty cool. I think if I just had some, like, pins or something, I could make it look super sick. But, yeah, those are, those are my clothing items and just one take, that I will never get rid when of. They
3: get, when they get, like, unrecoverable, just sew them all into a quilt.
0: Oh, fuck yeah, dude. I'm going to be buried in that shit. <laughs> the Huff shirt and the He-Man shirt. That's it. <laughs> Pants and top.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we buried her in 50 T-shirts.
0: Having Zane, like, being my
4: older brother and then having a sister, I, like, pretty much have traded clothes with all, everybody, and my mom. And, like, um, I still, actually, I was just thinking, I was like, what do I still have that's, like, yours? I have, like, a Rage Against the Machine tank top that you cut the sleeves off still in my, (laughs) in my, like, right next to me, um, that I just remembered. I still have a lot of random shit like that. Um, also, I was just, your story reminded me, because I think I was with you, Octavia, when this happened, but... Uh, you know when you just have a really good pair of butt pants that make your butt look really good, so you hang on to them way too long. (laughs) One (laughs) hundred. Um, I had one of those, and so like it was like where the denim was just so soft, and it was just it was about to like just fall apart. I remember we're at the wine aisle, and I was like, "Mm, look at that bottle on the bottom shelf, and I did a big squat, and it just went (laughs) and ripped completely (laughs) apart. And like it was just like straight down the middle, too, like SpongeBob, like you know. Nice. And I was just like, oh. And I, like, I, I would just grabbed the bottle and tried to go to the customer service so there's no one behind me who I could like could see it. Cause I didn't like, it was a summer, so I didn't have like a jacket or something to, like tie around my waist or anything. But I, I remember that was really embarrassing. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess <laughs> I'm going to do that now. But I don't think I've ever had my pants split open quite like that before. That yeah, was pretty I'm pretty comical. sad.
3: My, my $80 sweat
1: luxury sweatpants. Oh I don't let's I not do this right now. I don't want <laughs> no, to debate the economics of buying an $80 pair of sweatpants.
3: Yeah, but I wear them every day. I don't day. what and did I do for Like say? the past 3 years. I'm just saying it's not a Fucking debate sweatpants. if I'm right in every like aspect.
0: You're you got well, bamboozled. As as... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> If you get as much use out of them as Brendan got out of those fucking pants that he got from his job... Nobody I'll will, ever get, just... nobody will <laughs> ever get as much
3: use. The fucking... We will not even, like, get as much use out of the planet Earth as Brendan got out of those Literally,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> Reduce, reuse, recycle.
1: I got a pretty good one, I think. I think I could tell this story at this point, because there's no way my mom's made it 50 plus episodes into this podcast. <laughs> When I was in high school, I was a little bit of a pothead. I'm calling. I'm calling <laughs> her right now. Don't. <laughs> She'll ground me. I thought. I always thought I was so sneaky, but in hindsight, I wasn't. Every time we'd go out to dinner, I'd like smoke beforehand and be stupid teenager high, and my room probably just reeked. But one time, my mom went to Vegas, and she brought me a, a t-shirt back, and i had no idea i assumed my mom didn't know about my illicit drug use and it was a white t-shirt and in rainbow lettering it said coral reefer on it <laughs> and like it set me into like a weird panic for like weeks like how much does she know but to this day it's full of holes and i still have it and i fucking love that shirt it's cool <laughs> fucking great yeah. Yeah, I,
2: I love how people who smoke a lot of weed don't think that weed smells. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I walk into a lot of houses. I'm never going to drop a fucking name, but uh, I walk into a lot of houses that smell like weed and scented candles. <laughs> and I was like, I don't. You didn't.
0: Didn't you know why, you can get scented candles, candles that smell like weed? <laughs> <I feel> like <laughs> yeah, my, maybe that my, was my, it. My, <laughs> yeah, my like, friends' <laughs> rooms through like middle school and high school, it was. Weed and nog champa. That's that's <laughs> the vibe. I just and bought some. Spray. I
4: just bought some nog champa the other day, and there's definitely weed oh, yeah. smoke in here. So
3: I fucking love nog Chompa. That the
4: mix cool. is a that it's a good, good. one. Mm-hmm.
1: Speaking of nog Chompa.
3: speaking of chomping <laughs> some Perfect. nogs, what what <laughs> you got going on over here in Rel?
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We're going to come back to the world of Rel through the lens of the past, 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 past. <laughs> Take it away, Kiarin.
5: A scream of agony echoes through the room, accompanied by the metallic scent of blood that is so thick it hangs at the back of the throat. Suspended by magic that stretches from an elven male in robes, muttering in concentration, is Kiarin, with her limbs pulled taut. Three elven females with similar features to Kiarin surround her, meticulously carving runes into her flesh from head to toe. Another scream, which cuts short as Kiaran passes out from the pain. A second elven male steps from the shadows and holds something to her nose, causing her to stir. A sob escapes her lips before the screams begin anew. The elder female instructs, Corvin, wipe some of this blood away so I can see what I'm doing. A third male steps up from behind her to do as she asks. The others don't seem to notice his slight intake of breath and the clenching of his hands at every scream. Time crawls by as ever more intricate rooms are carved into every available space on Kiaran's skin. The screams and muttering blend together and seem they will never end. Until one of the females looks up. Her eyes brushes over everything carved into the flesh she announces. It is done. She is ready. Zack, you may release her. As Kiaran falls to the ground, the elder female glances at the males and commands. You may leave. Coravin, bring the boy in before you go. We must begin the incantations. She then turns her disdainful gaze to Kiaran, who is now prostrating at the woman's feet, attempting to choke back sobs. Kiaran, you know what you must do, the woman says as she holds out a sword. Taking the sword, Kiaran glances quickly at one of the younger females before turning her head back down and says, I will not fail you again, matriarch. The three women walk to three rune-carved circles that form the points of a triangle around her. Karen pulls herself to her feet as she hears the door to the room opening and the women begin their incantation. A stream of green magic creeps toward her from each of the three women, roping around her and filling her with a coldness that plunges into her core as if she's thrown into an icy abyss. She glances towards where Corvin has entered, now carrying a young boy, bound and struggling. Her eyes meet the boys as he sit on the ground in front of her, And everything else disappears. Kiaran knows this boy. He often tends the garden, where she grows many of her herbs. She has talked with him many times, sharing her excitement about plants and all they can do, whether it be restorative or lethal. She came to know him well and how he came to serve her house. His name is Belmere, and he is her brother. Kiaran is overwhelmed with a sense of horror and dread. She stares into Belmere's eyes, Tears flowing anew down her face as the sounds of the room return to her. The chanting of her sisters and mother. Her eyes raise up and meet Corvin's, who is still kneeling where he set Belmere down, staring at her as if weighing her resolve. Her eyes go further out to her sister, Sindra, her eyes closed in concentration as she chants with a look of determination. Suddenly, Kieran feels a tearing inside her that sends her reeling, head spinning, and when she sees clearly again... There is a shadow form of herself pulling out away from her, connected to her by a cord of magic that as her eyes follow, she sees the cord has passed directly over the heart of Belmere, and she is reminded of what is required of her. A single strike, aimed perfectly to sever the cord as well as take the life in front of her. Strangely, the tears have stopped and a look of malicious intent has replaced the one of horror that had been on her face a moment prior. Without a sign of hesitation, Kiaran pulls her sword up and slams it back down in a quick motion. An unexpected sound hits her ears right before the blow lands. The sound of Corvin's sword deflecting her own. Looking down, she sees a still intact, though damaged, cord of magic hovering above a still living, though badly wounded, Belmere. Kiaran's eyes look up to Corvin's in anger and confusion. Just then, the shadowy form quickly pulls farther away from Kiaran before being yanked to a halt by the still intact magic cord that tears ever so slightly more, causing an icy stab of pain like her soul being cleaved in two, before rebounding back into Kiaran and disappearing. Kiaran's scream is echoed by screams from her mother and sisters. Something is wrong, her sister fails screams, though none had yet noticed what Corvin had done. After a moment of stunned disbelief at his own actions, Corvin snaps to it the sound of Kiaran's scream. He reaches into his pocket, pulls out a bottle that Kiaran had gifted him, and smashes it on the ground. A smoke fills the air around them, causing the screams to mix with coughing and their eyes to burn with the fumes. He grabs Kiaran's arm, pulls her to her feet, and half carrying, half pulling, pushes her towards the door and urges her to run.
1: Good work. Nice. Good work. That was cool. That was cool. I got shivers.
3: (laughs) Got me all chilly.
5: I get so nervous. It's like, it almost
3: like hits harder to like not really knowing anything about your character since she's like so new. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. It's cool.
0: Yeah.
3: Somehow knowing more just adds more to the mystery.
4: I feel like I am like really empathetic to your nerves and I need to like read it again because I'm like nervous with you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And we see Kiarin, a little bit older, at the edge of this laboratory, watching as a new companion, Starlet Moonbow, converses with a badly injured wood elf, a half elf girl with a burnt face and an alchemist who's kind of erratic and all over the place and in walks Flint Oakenfist with Raven and as they walk in Lilac looks to Raven and says start this is Raven
0: Hello. I hope that the day finds you well, and that the travel wasn't too harsh. Pleasure to meet you. I'm Star.
1: She gives you a soft nod, and she says, I actually know who you are, Starlet Moonbow. I've heard of you from the Dragonfire Isle. I look forward to working together.
0: A small smile creeps up onto her lips well it's been quite some time since someone has actually heard of my name that brings me much joy. I hope that our time together will be well spent anyway let me know if you need anything
1: Indeed. and she's
0: gonna just return to you know helping with uh tree bark and everything waiting for the right time to tell him about this new companion of her own.
1: And Raven steps forward, and looking back at you, Flint, she says, so why don't you spell it out for me? I have an inkling of why our services are being employed, but what exactly are we walking into?
3: I'm just, she's addressing Flint, right? Uh, looking at you, Flint. Addressing the room. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now to say that, to say that the Empire's foothold here in this part, south of the uh, Kravnox, is being threatened—it's an understatement, really. Now's a good time to strike, and I—I I do think that these people, given a little more time and the resources that the ferrymen can provide, might have an actual shot
1: at pushing back for once. Treebark winces as he leans forward and places his elbows on his knees, fiddling with a ring around one of his fingers, and he says, I... Excuse me. I agree with Flint. I... I might not be exactly 100%, however... I hate to say it when Light of Shadow being taken, but without the Inquisitor's support, Brambleton may be as weak as it ever will be.
0: Star will kind of chime in. Granted, I don't know exactly that defeating them is necessarily in the cards, but from our recent travels, We may be able to push them into the forest beyond Brambleton. There's not many friends waiting for them there, which I dare say a sure defeat would happen there, though they may not be allies of ours, and if they ever found out that we were the ones to push the beasts of the Empire onto them, they may turn on us, but... We have some options. We also lost something very dear to us to this inquisitor. He says and sort of spits on the ground. Inquisitor. <laughs> we lost something very dear to us from the inquisitor.
1: <laughs> Kell is like,
0: please, please don't spit in here.
1: <laughs> Are you kidding me, guys? This is a <laughs> You've been facility. back for
0: literally two hours.
1: Are you kidding me? <laughs> the sign says no spitting.
0: <laughs> Is it still spit if it's chew? Uh
1: <laughs> Tree Bark moves his arm and, and says Well that may be a effective strategy, Starlet. The Empire won't enter the force of the Yoke. They know it would trigger a war and well open war between my people and the Empire would likely result in an Empire victory. That's something I do not believe they want right now. I also, speaking a little selfishly, I don't think that is something I want right now.
3: I do think that there's something to be said to just about their motivations for being here in the first place. I mean, I've worked adjacent to the Empire long enough to know that them getting their hooks into this town, having an Inquisitor set out here, and Pavel and the Inquisitor both leaving, just for no particular reason other than they found a little girl. Like, that doesn't quite add up to me.
1: I think there's something more going on here kella brushes her hands and pops a cork in the salve and puts it back in her pouch and she says uh actually Flintz, that's only partially true mikov has returned and in lieu of yelena after being executed by the inquisitor he is Taken the mantle of the Baron of the Riverlands. Uh, In fact, and she sort of shyly looks towards Lilac, and she says, He's declared the Huani Manor for himself, and I believe he's trying to fortify it. At least that's what Olivia and her sister say, and that's as close as we could get scouts to the town right now.
3: Be really interested to know if he knows about that place's secret. Could be a huge vulnerability.
1: I agree. We know it. We know how to get inside. The back door. I. Why do you always say it like that? Uh, the back <laughs> door. <laughs> Kella, don't... <laughs> don't ask.
3: <laughs> what? Was everybody looking at me that way?
1: So at this point, the door to the lab opens and in walks Bo. Beau.
4: Bo's going to walk up to Kella and try to find an opening to talk to her. Because obviously she's busy, so just finding, like, a space to be able to get her attention.
1: Yeah, you can, like, nod her over, and she'll walk over, and she'll turn back to Flint and the rest, and and just say, it's an advantage we could think about. Maybe a way to... get at Pavel without putting the town in more danger. Uh...
3: Gorilla warfare is definitely going to be the angle we're going to need to take here if we want to survive.
1: Where are we going to get a gorilla? What's a gorilla?
3: The, go- the gorilla store, you idiot. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Heard a of guy named Buy AM. five, get one free. It's like a six-pack deal.
0: Is that next to the Panther store?
3: I If you... That was across from the Panther store. Or six oh, okay. gorillas wow.
1: versus 12 <laughs> hell Riders. So my money's on the gorillas.
4: The store is called I mean, 16 Panthers. Y- the you way. have the
3: stat blocks just simulated for us while we sit here and listen. I will roll every single dice. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, yeah, like an hour goes by. The and gorilla hits. realize that everybody else is left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, as, uh, after, uh, yeah, after that conversation concludes, um, Flint's going to kind of like motion for Raven to follow him outside. Okay,
1: she'll follow you. And, yeah, we can come back to that. And Killa walks over to you, Bo, and is like, How's Groth? Is he doing all right?
4: No, he's really sick. I really need you to come see him. He needs something, and I think you might be the only person who can help.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me grab a couple of things. And she rolls out this kind of, like, brown leather
3: uh like know. an apothecary yeah
1: I don't know what to call it. it's like you like roll it up but then you can like unroll it and it's got little belt loops almost I know, yeah I know what you're talking about and she she takes if you know what this is called email us <laughs> uh, she's uh she takes a couple of uh little vials out and swaps them puts some more in rolls it up and is like I I can definitely try to do my best but uh, let's go Bo's
4: probably sweating a little bit, like, ready to go. Like, he really wants to help. Okay. As soon as possible. You
3: gotta flush the anus with soapy water. That's the only way to, there's only way to be sure to get the sickness out. Get yourself, get yourself a bamboo shoot. <laughs> He's got... And a lot, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna either need a, a lot of
1: lubrication. Spit will do in a pinch.
4: <laughs> Kel already walked away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh Kiaran star anything you guys wanna want to do in the meantime
0: yeah actually um while this is sort of going on <clears throat> uh star will for a moment say uh, just a tree bark I am aware that my new companion may not be exactly your taste but... I'm asking for a chance to explain and to introduce you. Can you behave for that?
1: I suppose if she slits my throat, it'll be on you.
0: she slits your throat, I'll slit hers. And then, sh- looking over her shoulder, she sort of waves Kiaran over.
1: For the record, that won't make my throat not slit, but I see your point.
0: Well, we saved one idiot from a Slit throat. So that's a story for another time. Uh, actually, you might no, you weren't there for that.
1: You missed out a lot. What is that scar on his neck? Has that always been there? (laughs) No, it's Uh,
0: bad (laughs) from all the cigar smoking. We tried to give him one of those buzzer Uh, things with like bees in a tube. It didn't work. The bees died. Stoma. Yeah.
1: Flint, you're not here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just lying outright. (laughs) Uh, But she'll wave Kiaren over and say, Kiaren, this is Treebark. Treebark, this is Kiaren. We met in the woods.
1: He stands. And for the first time, Kiaren, you're seeing this elf. He's tall, uh, skinny. Blonde hair uh, down to his shoulders has sort of a, a familiar barkskin tunic, kind of like the wood elf that you ran into in the uh, Forest of the Yoke. And he's just kind of eyeing you up. Uh,
5: Karen is probably also just kind of looking at him. And then after the long pause, she'll put her hand out and say, Pleasure.
1: Another long pause passes, and he reaches his hand out and squeezes yours, maybe a little, little tightly. And he says,
5: "She'll squeeze tight if he goes tighter."
1: <laughs> and he squeezes even tighter. All right, give me, give me. A, I don't have any dice out.
0: She's not going to try to break his, his hand. You squeeze harder
1: than he does. She's you're not going to try
0: to break his hand or anything. A star's like, she's just oh, watching oh, oh, this, like eyes kind of darting back and making forth. making a she's point like, of oh, like, okay. oh, you're going to try to be macho. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. She's
0: like, all right, that's enough of the friendly introductions. And she looks back at both of them, kind of giving them like the, like, I do not do this right now. I swear to God. Um,
1: uh, Star, where did you meet? Uh, I'm sorry, what was your name?
5: The name's Kiaren, and yours?
1: Treebark Everglade. Kiaren, where did you meet Star?
5: I think a Star can tell that story better than I.
0: Well, if I remember it correctly. We were, well, just about to get our asses eaten by... Oh. Alligators and dragons, not really my favorite style there, but uh, she did come in and save us, not without being being weary, that is, but we've struck up somewhat of a verbal contract. As far as I can tell, we can trust her, but.
1: And what I- dare say are the terms of this contract?
0: Oh, huh. payment. For putting in some good words and traveling, as well as in exchange, her helping us for or her helping us get to where we need to go.
3: But on that note, has it have we actually talked to Kella or given her the hate spite or done anything no, with that yet? No, I don't think so. Okay, should probably not forget that. No, <laughs> I
0: think I, it's I, it's in Star's pocket. So I mean, we'll yeah, cool. we'll kind of circle back around to that. But um. Star says, anyway, I do, I think that we can do more formal things later, but I have something that I feel is only right to share with the two of you, because I don't know what to do with it, and I would like to not ever be caught in the presence of an elf again with it, Um, and she will pull out the elf bone dagger and sort of, not really hand it to them, she's going to go lay it on Kella's table, and she'll say, I didn't want to leave it there, in case it got to the wrong hands. This, as far as I can tell, is made of elf bone.
1: Tree bark strides over, picks it up, Draws the blade out of the sheath. Looks at it and gives it gives a heavy sigh. Why don't you go ahead and give me an insight check there, star?
0: Seventeen. Is that something I can do too?
1: Yeah, definitely.
5: I don't know him well enough yet. <laughs> Natural one. <laughs>
0: Damn.
1: Oh, well. He's gonna kill me! He's got a <laughs> knife!
0: That was my great grandfather.
1: Get down! <laughs> Star, you can tell he. this is nothing that's surprising to him. But that sigh had a deep sadness to it. And he says This is an elf bane dagger, actually. It's carved out of elf bone and blessed with some hateful magic. It it was used by assassins in the Second Elven Human War. Hmm. Star will say.
0: I also, um, I believe in the same area, found a note from one of these assassins and your name was on their list
1: yes I'm not surprised I I was I was different in the war and I was deadly they knew it he flips the dagger around pinching on the blade and offering the handle to you star and he says You should wield this. I can't think of any hands that would do better for it. And perhaps it might be some assurance for your new companion. Just kidding, of course.
5: Kiaran raises an eyebrow. Uh,
1: By the way, if you didn't catch that, Kiaran, that will really hurt if she stabs you. So I'd stay away from the pointy end.
5: (laughs) Thanks for mansplaining that to me. Or explaining.
3: Sage, sage, sage <laughs> advice. I would Still advise to do your best
1: whenever, wherever you are to not get stabbed. <laughs> if you're going to get stabbed, try not to do it with that blade.
0: <laughs> Star will give sort of an uncomfortable chuckle and she'll grab it uh, from him and say, I'll do my best to do good with it despite what it was made for. Thank you for looking at it, and I'm sorry that anyone would create such a thing.
1: It was war, Star. It was war.
3: Elves being, like, a pretty dignified and respected race, they probably treat their remains with, like, a lot of respect, too, right? Oh, yeah. So I'd imagine that this is, like, a little bit more like cuts a little closer just because of that
1: it's actually and star you might actually know this given your uh sort of sylvan ties here but it's actually of course woodland the, the oak El is, uh, always want to be returned to the earth so to have a part of themselves sort of man-made and manufactured it's
3: and being and being used for what it's probably and being, being used yeah, for it's yeah it's heresy essentially it's kind of an yeah it's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting dynamic
0: That's, I think, that's a cool thing that I will explore later. (laughs) Cool. Anyway, so I think after that, Star is going to pretty much say, well, Kiaran, if you'll accompany, I'm going to go see what our ale situation is around these parts. It's been, uh, it's been a few days since we've been home, so to speak. Would you like to accompany me? lead the way
5: she'll kind of eye at tree bark up and down before she walks after star he winks at you a grin goes across her face at that
1: <laughs> meanwhile flint walking alongside raven where are you going
3: so tanner with raven uh, what is the last time that they like interacted because it was before Stone Wing and before Flint got arrested and stuff, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Okay.
3: Yeah. And then, um, also, I wanted to clarify something, too, just in the context of their relationship and, like, how well she knows, uh, Flint. Um, she would definitely think it's, like, weird that he's, like, so gung ho about helping this resistance movement. Um, what? So she would definitely probably pick up on like the fact that he most likely has ulterior motives, or there's like a reason why he's doing this.
1: Why don't you actually give me an insight check? Okay. Four. Yeah, you draw your own conclusions. Sure. Raven, as ever, is so stoic. Yeah. In fact, one thing I will say is... is more, she was always known for her, st- her stoic nature, but she seems kinda far grown. more so. Yeah, far yep. more so.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, leaving the lab, I'm assuming Raven would kind of pick up on like the whole energy of like, okay, let's dip away and not be followed. Mm-hmm. So, probably just kind of sneak away and make sure that we're alone.
1: Yeah. Um. So what is uh, all this, Flint? You're. Suddenly, a champion for some sort of resistance movement in this backwater town.
3: You know, Raven, I'm a, I'm a reformed man. You know me. Left my evil doing ways behind. Now I'm a champion for the common man.
1: Yeah, I can see that clearly.
3: <laughs> um, he kind of peers over her shoulder and says, "No, nah, I just." wanted we'll to make sure that we are actually alone. I feel like we haven't had a good opportunity to talk yet without the possibility of somebody listening in. I I know things are strained right now in terms of our organization. So I hope you know that I wouldn't be asking you to do this if it wasn't important. Oh, another favor. Already? Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, he's just talking about a uh, giving supply getting oh i see because i mean like it's sort of yeah it's sort of like there's there's a difference between flint sending like somebody to a ferryman contact for business purposes versus with one of those coins the coins mean that they're like a like a priority customer and they get things basically at close to cost as they can Mm -hmm. um so yeah he says uh yeah peering over shoulders um flint just looks at her kind of seriously and just says I know it kind of went dark there for a while. Um, After Stonewing, I don't know if you heard about all that business. Or how much you heard. I know you you heard about Davy, obviously. But I was arrested, and they were going to throw me in the ironworks. But I managed to work out a deal with one of the warrant officers that's operating up here. And in exchange for what I'm giving him... Well, I guess safe to say that we both want the same thing, and that's Davy. And I have it on good authority through those contacts that he's operating in this area. Our best chance at drawing him out and getting back what he took from us is stoking this fire as much as we possibly can, and it's it's coming to a head.
1: Are you mad?
3: You know me, Raven. You really need to ask me that?
1: I don't think I do. You took a deal? I'm talking to a rat? I'm stuck between a murderous slaver and his rat former partner.
3: I think you're misinterpreting the situation. This isn't a deal with the Empire. This is a deal with the warrant officer directly. He needs me
1: more than I need him the way it sounds it sounds like you need him a whole lot I
3: need Davy I need Davy's head on a fucking platter and this this Cornell fella can give it to me he can help us get back what
1: he took from us don't you want that she shoots a quick glance down to your belt and back up and she says why don't you take the hand off the hilt of your sword Flynn kind of like
3: gazes down white knuckled on the hilt and just kind of relaxes a little bit nods and just says uh, I'm sorry Raven I'm sorry that I've I'm sorry that I put you in this situation, but you know what this means to me. Even if it doesn't mean as much to you, this was, this was everything that I had.
1: And it's all gone now. Flint, he took a lot from me too, okay? I was deep, deep in a mission in Blackreach, a job that would have changed everything. And i had to leave it all behind all my safe houses gone ruined all my contacts how could i trust them killed some of my best men recently the only men and woman that i could trust but you know what i want more than his head i want to be alive and i'm telling you right now flint if you fuck with davy elrond he will kill you Maybe.
3: But I don't know if I want to keep on going in a world where he has everything and I have nothing. Maybe this is my Hail Mary. That's a football term. I don't know if it applies here.
1: I love football. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go to the Black Reach Buccaneers every Friday night. <laughs> Look, Flint. I'm not saying no but without a good plan we ain't gonna get far
3: and Flint cracks a smile and says why the bloody hell do you think I brought you here you were always the brains of the organization
1: (sighs) a gift and a curse no doubt still got that weird smell in cigar.
3: Yeah, it's developed a nice perky, uh, nice milky aroma. You might like it. I won't.
1: <laughs> like, you didn't always, before either, so... I'm always <laughs> fascinated.
3: It's not better, it's just different now.
1: <laughs> okay. Meanwhile. Bo, you are accompanied by Kella, She's got this alchemist kit rolled out. And, Groth, you are huddled next to the forge. A large blanket with square textile patterns, parallel to each other, is draped over you. Louis is pacing behind you, worried. Kello feels your forehead can't feel shit through this mask <laughs> it's hot how is the mask I think sweating? it's always hot <laughs> she's like ow what the fuck well I found what's wrong <laughs> Flint's frying an egg on, him, on his face <laughs> she has you ingest a small clear liquid
0: kind of it water. tastes like
1: copper you struggle to kind of hold it down and she's talking to you she's or, what's wrong? Tell me your symptoms. I, I, I might be able to help. Probably is shivering and here pacing,
2: hearing a uh, Louis pace behind him. He say, Louis,
1: have you been getting that metal I've men sending you? <laughs> hi. Don't you worry about that, big man. Hi, hi. We, we got, we got metal.
2: You know, you know what makes me feel a lot better hearing some metal be worked don't you worry about me big man
1: uh, it's that's really uh, there's a lot of people here uh, alright fine, fine fine
4: you're laying on the forge oh, I don't know what
1: they're doing here you're twice <laughs> the size of people? the forge <laughs> and Kel's like oh shit I gave him acid <laughs> <laughs> That was my In that was a vial form? of acid. <laughs> yeah, <damn. laughs>
3: It's like 500 hits. Jesus yeah,
4: Christ.
1: <laughs> Look, he's hes not going to be okay.
4: <laughs> he wasn't
0: already, so.
1: Perfect. My work here is done.
0: <laughs> Does anyone have I'm any uh, mushrooms that we can give him to? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll uh, cancel it out.
1: At your behest, Louis starts pounding on some steel. Shuffling through some things around. That's (laughs) that's the (laughs) stuff. Oh God, he's hard. (laughs) Uh, Triple folding that
3: blade. I see doing a a reverse temper. uh, Fuck
0: yeah! (laughs) Like Flint, Flint, rub my thigh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which Rotha mistakes his erection for the elven woman that kicked us out of the uh, the Riverlands. So the. Did you know I can I can talk to that big green fuck? I, <laughs> I can talk to but, him. Nobody else knows what he's saying, but I do.
1: Kelly stands up. She goes, we're going to have to put him down. You got the hate spite? <laughs> Lou's like, nah,
3: I just have a hammer. It's fine.
4: Bo will be like, how did you know we had it? And then
3: like,
4: pulls run away. Yeah. And, ah! yeah. <laughs> like the office.
1: But strangely, Groth, this hearing metal being worked on does make you feel better. And at this point, Flint, you and Raven join under this sort of awning. And Raven sort of hits you on the shoulder and is like, I'll speak to you later, Flint. I need to go talk to my people. Nay. He gives her a nod. Star, Kiaran, are you guys inside? Having a drink?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Okay. Groth. You're staring... deep into this forge. And as... Louis sort of working around you... coming to the forge... stoking it a little bit... doing just blacksmith shit that I have no idea... how to describe. (laughs) You your vision starts to blur and the otherwise orange flickering flame of the forge begins to turn blue and now I'm going to describe this in kind of two two different perspectives here the first one's going to be from Bo's perspective as Kella's thumbing through some of her alchemical ingredients trying to think of anything that she could do to help you see Groth kind of abruptly stand up this woven blanket slides off his massive shoulders and he stands rigid and he's just looking into the fire but Groth for you these blue flames take over and they remind you of home. The forge at home. The forge you used to have where all this started. And fixating on the forge at hand, as you watch these blue burning tendrils thrash erratically and the sparks dance into the night sky while the plume of smoke rises to the stars you become entranced you empathize with the flame you feel comfort in the heat much like the burning sensation from your mask it was once so painful that you found it almost unbearable but you adapted it became part of you and this is when your stomach begins to sink. And Bo, from your perspective, abruptly, in a sudden jerking motion, Groth's head throws back. His mask starts glowing a white hot like it's deep within the hottest, deepest fire. And he floats a good foot above the ground with his arms spread out. What do you do, Bo?
4: Probably let out, like, a sharp gasp and just, like, back up.
3: Yeah, Flynn just, Tog's beard, what the fuck? And, like, backs up really quick and trips over some, like, <laughs> swords or something.
4: Bo, grab, <laughs> I'm gonna grab, grab you as you're falling, and then mom arm Kella.
1: <laughs> yeah. Groth? Groth Groth buddy? Louis goes to try and grab him, and the second his hand touches the leg of Groth, he is thrown back in this flash, and the sear, like somebody grabbing a kettle hot on the stove, echoes through the sonic. Groth. At this very moment, you become acutely aware of the diminishing pain from this otherworldly connection. What happens instantaneous feels like an eternity as moment by moment the burning fades away from you, and before you know it, where there was once searing agony from your mask, there is now only bitter, lonely cold. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> on the reroll podcast. God What the fuck?
0: That was a good that was a good, was a
1: good narrative
3: episode. Yeah.
2: There's a
0: lot of, yeah, a lot so of so juicy
3: it. story shit.
1: A lot of juicy deets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't even know what the fuck's going on with Grouse. <laughs> so that
4: everybody <laughs> What's else happening knows. To your face <laughs> <laughs> Next time. It's not Why hot is it anymore. It's so
1: hot. It's so cold. Hot. <laughs> This was actually Groth's first erection. This is what happens when Goliaths get an erection. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's catastrophic. Oh,
0: he's going through puberty. <laughs> yeah,
3: you, see, you guys didn't float like four feet in the air and explode when you hit puberty. Dude, it feels so good. Yep. I mean,
0: my penis did, but.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, there it goes. <laughs> oh,
1: thank God. I don't have to deal with I'm that. Finally thing anymore. becoming a woman. <laughs> <laughs> my penis is leaving. Thank you for listening to the Reroll Podcast. The world of Rell and all characters within are copyright and fictitious. Any similarities to persons living or dead or actual events are purely coincidental. Want to follow us on social media, listen to another episode, or send us hate mail? Check out our link tree for all of our info. You can find that link in the episode description. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we could use in our games. The Reroll main theme and all character themes are copyright, as well as the Chronicles of Rell main theme. Please consider donating to our Patreon if you liked our content. We are hell-bent on making more, and with your support, we can make a lot more. New episodes every Monday at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. See you then.